welcome to Dental Appointment, a podcast by two dental students aiming to give you an insight into the world of dentistry. We will be discussing all things dental related, from dental applications to life as a dental student. We will also provide you with an insight into our own experiences, as well as talking to other members of the profession about a range of different topics to get their views and learn about the different opportunities after dental school. My name is Ryan. And I'm Becky. And this is Dental Appointment. Welcome back. As part of the Dental Team series, we are joined today by Antonia Contardi, an orthodontic therapist based in Edinburgh. Antonia has a lot of experience in the dental profession, not only as an orthodontic therapist, but also as a dental therapist and a facial aesthetic practitioner, which we'll be discussing throughout this episode. Hi, Antonia. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. It's nice to meet you, Antonia. And first of all, how are you? How are you finding this current lockdown? Um, yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? I mean, we're so used to a fast um, pace of work and dentistry. And since the pandemic, it's definitely slowed down. So it's a bit of an adjustment phase, I think, for everyone again. Um, I suppose it's a good and bad thing because, um, you know, you've got a bit more time now. But as well, it's uh, I know it's been hard for a lot of people. It's had a massive impact on dentistry and, um, you know, patients aren't overly keen about coming in, you know, the current situation. So, yeah, it's a massive change. But, you know, with the new way of working and things like that with uh, fallow time and all the new policies and procedures we have to follow, um, it's a big change. But I think, you know, we're, we're getting there and everyone's evolving to the new situation so hopefully everything will pick back up again and you know on to the future. (laughs) Yeah absolutely and you've sort of mentioned to us before we started recording this that you have been doing some sort of virtual sort of consultations and things. Yeah so basically what that is is Invisalign have an app um, which enables you to monitor your patient's closely at home so they upload photos on a weekly basis and I'll monitor their progress it just saves you know them coming into practice when they don't really need to and obviously there's certain times we'd need to get them into practice to check things but you know it's reducing the amount of time they have to travel into practice especially with the you know the restrictions at the moment but also you know patients like having a weekly monitoring instead of just seeing them every six weeks for um, in-clinic review. So, you know, it's working well and, yeah, it's just one way that things are changing and how we're adapting. And I think it'll continue, you know, even after things start to return to some normality. So, yeah, that's just one way we've kind of changed the way we do things in the last year. Yeah, absolutely. I think COVID itself has had an impact on everybody. Nobody's been able to escape it. And it has been a steep learning curve for everybody. But I think, like you say, there is some elements of it that are kind of good influences and things that you will take forward. Definitely. Could you just tell us a little bit more about yourself and what made you become an orthodontic therapist? Yeah, so initially I'm from York, South Yorkshire, and I applied to dental therapy and oral health sciences in two, and started in 2011 and that's what brought me to Edinburgh 
Um, so I completed that four-year degree and worked in general practice for a couple of years, you know, just getting some experience in that side of things, maybe deciding what 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 to do next, you know, how to progress in my career. You know, there was a bit of decision whether to go back and do dentistry or, you know, see what, what else I can do, you know, with the career I've already got. So that's when I started looking into orthodontic therapy and I had had experience with orthodontics at university in terms of we did um, clinic rotations in the dental hospital and I really enjoyed my time on the um, orthodontic clinic so yeah that kind of sparked my interest in orthodontics and then you know we, we, we came across the orthodontic therapist coming into the institute when we were training and I always wondered you know was very curious about that set, you know, the orthodontic therapy role. So in 2017, once I'd done two years in practice, I really, you know, spent some time deciding what I wanted to go forward with. And that's when I really looked into orthodontic therapy and just started researching, emailed some orthodontists to see if could get any of them to train me. And yeah, I went from there. Why did I want to become an orthodontic therapist? Well, as I said, I wanted, you know, to enhance my skills, but also I just found, you know, the role in orthodontics, building a rapport with patients over a two-year period, even longer sometimes, and seeing that transition from, you know, a very unconfident person towards the end of treatment, being, you know, really happy and gleaming um, about the treatment you've done for them. So, um, I did some shadowing initially, you know, just to make sure it definitely was for me. And yeah, I just really enjoyed what I saw. And that's why I decided to apply and take it from there. Yeah, I think doing some work experience and finding out if that was for you before you actually went and pursued that is a great idea. And it applies to everything in dentistry to try and get that insight into what it is that you might be doing. You did mention there about um, being trained up by an orthodontist. Um, Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So when you're applying for the orthodontic therapy course, you have to have in place, you know, someone who's agreed and willing to train you for the 18-month period of the duration of the course. Um, Normally, orthodontic nurses are put forward by their orthodontist um, and they they train them so they've normally been in orthodontic practice for well a number of years really um so for me it was a case of being proactive and you know I had to email a few orthodontists and it is difficult because a lot of orthodontic nurses who've worked there and you know who have been loyal and they they obviously want you know someone to progress and go on to orthodontic therapy so it was very difficult finding someone uh, who was willing to go with someone they didn't really know you know it's a bit of a risk but uh, I was lucky and met one of the orthodontists and he was happy to train me so um, yeah I came from a bit of a different background with my dental therapy whereas the majority well in fact everyone on my course were orthodontic nurses so um, yeah I think um, it's not very common to do the dental therapy and then go on to orthodontic therapy but I think there's only two of us with the dual qualification in the UK. So hope, hopefully, you know, more people go on to do it because it is a great way of enhancing your skills, but also for practices, it's very beneficial to have those qualifications as well. 
And do you feel for yourself that there's a benefit as well from having that dental therapy background? Yeah, definitely. I mean, in terms of just from the get-go, I've had patient experience treating patients, you know, the practical aspect as well as communicating with patients. So I think I was a bit an advantage from that perspective. But in terms of actual practice, the daily work of an orthodontic therapist, I can do a wee bit more because, you know, obviously I'm trained to use the high speed. Um, so I can do extra things like interproximal enamel reduction, which you know, it kind of limits the amount the orthodontist or prescribing dentist needs to see the patient, which means I can take on a lot of the work. And also in terms of it's so important for patients to maintain their oral health, diet, etc. Whilst in orthodontic appliances, because it can be disastrous, they're not maintaining their oral health. In fact, it can yeah, I've, just, I've seen it before and you, you just have to stop orthodontic treatment. So with my previous experience as a hygiene therapist, I think that, you know, I'm really good at monitoring oral health, giving the advice. Um, and it gave me, you know, those extra skills. So I think for, you know, practice owners, it's very beneficial to have both qualifications. Yeah, you can certainly see by the sounds of things how being duly qualified would help in practice especially the different factors that you can take into consideration that somebody that's maybe just done orthodontic nursing and then progressed on maybe not able to bring in as much yeah yeah could you tell us a little bit more about the role of an orthodontic therapist so kind of what the daily life is like yeah so it varies really between whether you're working in hospital, um, a dedicated orthodontic practice, which is typically predominantly NHS and run by orthodontists, or whether you're in like a private practice, which is where I am now, and I work alongside a dentist um, who prescribes the treatments for me, and we predominantly focus on Invisalign. So it's very different, I think, you know, depending on what situation you're in. For example, in hospital, um, you work, you're working with consultant orthodontists and um, you're seeing complex cases from cleft lip and palate, orthognathic surgery, um, you know, correcting skeletal bases. So you're heavily involved in a multidisciplinary team in the hospital and you're pretty much across the board, you're doing the similar treatments. So that would be um, fitting orthodontic appliances, so both removable and fixed appliances, positioning brackets, um, fitting arch wires, um, fitting auxiliaries, so for example, coil springs to help open spaces, fitting power chains to reduce spacing and correcting uh, overjets and things like that. You also um, see patients for adjustments, you also see patients for records. So um, for me, I could do a dental health check, um, take clinical photographs, x-rays, and then the orthodontist does the treatment plan. You also um, fit removable appliances, so like twin blocks and URA for removable appliances. Also retention, so taking impressions for retention and fitting retainers. Um, so you pretty much can do quite a lot um, across the board. Um, obviously, then debonding, so removing the appliances at the end. The only thing that um, the orthodontic therapists don't really do is one treatment plan that's the prescribing orthodontist or dentist. Um, so we need to have a written or verbal prescription to follow. And two would be 
um, activating certain parts of orthodontic appliances. So like for arch expansion, sometimes you use a wire and expand the wire. The orthodontist expands the wire and then we obviously fit it. Another thing would be activating twin block appliances. That needs to be an orthodontist. So yeah, anything that's really activating and going to be adding a force really is mainly focused on the orthodontist. But then there's certain things. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a grey area really, um, obviously because a fixed appliance is an active appliance. But you know there are certain things that has to be done by an orthodontist, and typically that is mainly activating appliances. So in orthodontic practice, you kind of work alongside orthodontists as well, you know, similar to hospital, but you're more focusing on, um, you know, young teens going into orthodontics who have got malocclusion, um, but they're not severe malocclusion. That's when it tends to get um, referred to hospital. So you're kind of treating overcrowding, impacted teeth in the palate, um, things like that, really. Sometimes you have your own diary and you're just following prescriptions. Uh, another way of working is an orthodontist will have a couple of orthodontic therapists working alongside him and we'll have a chair and he'll just pop around and um, tell us what needs to be done for that appointment. And then in private practice, I think it's heavily evolved around Invisalign now because it's a lot more aesthetically pleasing and patients, you know, are going down that route um, I mean, for me as a dental therapist, obviously I can see and do a bit more, but um, it's same principle really. The uh, dentist needs to prescribe the treatment, you know, do a pres written prescription, and I'll typically have my own diary. And if I need my boss, you know, for anything that's not within my work remit, he'll either pop in or the appointment will then be booked with him. So that's kind of how it works in terms of I can fit, remove appliances, do checkups adjustments pretty much everything apart from treatment planning and activating mm -hmm. appliances so there's quite a lot that you can do really in your role as an orthodontic therapist yeah well yeah that's one thing that you know when I first started looking into orthodontic therapy I, for some reason I thought it was mainly um, centered around maintaining um, the orthodontic appliance in terms of like hygiene you know um making sure they're all healthy and that was fine while they're in appliances. And then when I actually looked into it, the amount of involvement we have from the clinical aspect, I was quite impressed. So I thought, yeah, that's something that appeals to me. So I do enjoy clinical and, yeah, that interaction mm -hmm. with patients. So it's it's good that, you know, we're heavily involved with that. And orthodontists are very keen for us to take on the majority of the work. So, yeah, it's good. So you've mentioned um, that you need a prescription from an orthodontist or a dentist. Yeah. Um, see the dentists that give the prescriptions, have they had like additional training within orthodontics to give this? I think there are specific courses that dentists can do after they've graduated from their BDS. So like Invisalign, um, they can get some training around that. Um, another one called six months smile you know I, I do think it's more basic um orthodontic uh, cases that they're treating and mm -hmm. normally if it's out with what they think I mean that's how we work if it's out with um you know what Invisalign can do etc we then refer on to an orthodontist uh, specialist so yeah I think you need to do some training because um, obviously you do orthodontic training as part of your BDS but 
um, they do do additional courses mm-hmm. um, to be able to know the ins and outs of the particular appliance that they're using. And would this sort of be, I don't know if this is the correct term to use in this situation, but I've sort of heard like dentists with special interest. Is that sort of the right term? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think I can't speak, you know, for everyone, but I think it it's based on the particular person, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, some will actively do a lot more um, training, whereas some just do the specific training for that particular appliance, like Invisalign. Mm-hmm. I know my boss, he's done a lot of active training in orthodontics. I mean, we work um, alongside an orthodontist as well. So because we do more advanced cases with Invisalign now, um, we show our cases to a orthodontist as well and uh, he'll kind of guide us whether it's suitable or not who's referring um so yeah a lot of dentists do have special interest and I know that um there's one dentist I used to work with he actually did a master's in orthodontics right in which I think was one year instead of going and do the full MOS um you know to become an orthodontist so mm-hmm. yeah I think you know as long as people are working within the understandings and you know learning I think there's not an issue but um, I know orthodontists um, they think the orthodontics should be left to them so um, yeah (laughs) yeah they do yeah and it's sort of what you've sort of mentioned like the relationship or the communication that you have with your prescribing dentist and orthodontist um, it sort of highlights the role of like that multidisciplinary team as well that you mentioned earlier yeah definitely it's a it's so important you know to have a good relationship with your prescriber if you're an orthodontic therapist even a dental therapist um, I think communication is paramount you know I've I've learned from working with different orthodontists and uh, different dentists that they like to, you know, be kept informed, you know, anything that you can't, you're struggling with, it's important that you convey that to them and they can give you a helping hand, you know, it works both ways as well, you know, if they want, if they think that you need maybe a bit more training in a particular area, that they convey that as well. So the relationship with you both, I think um, it's really important just for the benefit of you and the patient really. So that's, yeah, that's a big lesson I've learned over the past couple of years, really building that relationship with my prescriber. Massive sort of advice for those that are probably, or even considering going into this sort of role in their career. And you did say there about doing kind of additional training as well. What type of additional training can you do to kind of expand your scope of practice? I suppose if you are a dental therapist, you can train to do interproximal and animal reduction, which is a massive weight off the orthodontist's shoulders or dentist's shoulders because normally if they're needing to do IPR, um, they're needing a whole dedicated appointment, whereas if I can do it, I'm trained to do it and I'm confident to do it, it just minimises the amount that you know they need to do anything clinical as they can focus their attention and energy onto treatment planning and then reviewing the patient as and when they need I mean theoretically the orthodontist or dentist should be seeing the patient at least every second or third visit um, just to see how things are running but 
but that can take a couple of minutes of them popping into surgery, just having a look around and seeing how things are progressing. Whereas, you know, if they're having to dedicate a whole clinical day to see patients to do things like IPR, it takes that time from them to be sitting doing treatment plans and things like that. So it kind of relieves a burden for the dentist or orthodontist. Um, other ways that we can expand our scope of practice is um, learning the different appliances. So there's something called a lingual appliance. Um, so they're fixed appliances placed on the back of the teeth. And they are one of the trickiest appliances that you could probably ever try and fit. Um, so, you know, to have, I've not actually done the course, but to have that skill is, uh, you know, will set you out from the crowd because from my experience, orthodontists don't like doing it because it is very fiddly, um, very fiddly and very time consuming as well. Um, so that's definitely one. Other orthodontic appliances like Invisalign, um, the six month smile as well, you know, there's all new appliances coming out all the time. So, you know, um, continuing your learning is really important because orthodontics has evolved massively, um, as well as dentistry, really. But, um, so, you know, there's always something new to learn. And, um, you know, if you're not um, trained in radiography, then it's important that you do that because it takes that burden off the orthodontist if you can take the x-rays and things like that for them. And that would be like for the dental nurses or orthodontic dental nurses that are coming in sort of through that route, would it be them that does like the additional radiographic course? Yeah. So I did a different route, obviously, but orthodontic nurses, they need to have the radiography. I mean, a lot of orthodontic nurses already do have the radiography because in practice, a lot of the orthodontic nurses do take the x-rays just because the therapist mm -hmm. is busy doing treatment. But yeah, it is a you know condition of you getting a place. Also, we need to have done the orthodontic nursing qualification as well as having the dental nursing to be able to do the course. So yeah, there there are specific requirements if you go in that route. And then my route, I had my dental therapy, so I had experience treating patients. But I went out and did some shadowing just to make sure you know I was certain and. Also, you know, you need to have some experience before you get involved with the course. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're the two pathways, really, that you can go, go for the course. It's quite interesting to sort of highlight, because I didn't know before that dental nurses and then um, from there, orthodontic dental nurses can apply for orthodontic therapy. Um, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, in fact... That's the majority of people who do go for the course are orthodontic nurses. And I think it's more because, um, you know, they've been working in the orthodontic practice and they've built a rapport with their orthodontist. And one shines out um, to the orthodontist that, yeah, he thinks that they'll be a good clinician, then they'll put them forward for the course, which, you know, is brilliant because it's, it's a good progression for orthodontic nurses. Just, to, I think it's similar um, with, dental therapy as well how dental nurses can apply to dental therapy similar kind of perspective I suppose yeah yeah absolutely I think that as well it's like you say it applies to to loads that there, there are kind of alternative routes into most things in dentistry that aren't really yeah well known about that's it yeah 
so you've sort of mentioned like the pathway and like the entry requirements for orthodontic therapy and that it sort of takes about 18 months as well and where did you study the orthodontic therapy so the exams are through the royal college of surgeons um I did mine through the Royal College of Surgeons in Edinburgh. There's other locations you can you can do that as well. I know there's one in London, Wales and Birmingham, I think. But my practical training was with Scottish Orthodontics, which is the orthodontic practice and the orthodontist who trained me. So you're in there pretty much Monday to Thursday and then you have a study day. And then the um, you have to do a month at the beginning which is all based in Edinburgh Dental Institute so that month basically a lot of anatomy physiology a lot of orthodontic um, training just in the dental hospital just getting you kind of prepared for going into practice it doesn't seem very long a month (laughs) but you kind of do learn as well when you're in practice um, throughout the 18 months so and then you're back in Edinburgh Dental Institute once a month um, to go over you know get lectures and go over other things as well so yeah it was mainly in Edinburgh Dental Institute where the courses ran um, but the exams are through the Royal College. It sounds like quite a good program they've got from what you've explained. Yeah I mean I do think the 18 months is very intense it could be extended potentially in my opinion you know up to two years um but if you're disciplined and you know you're committed to getting through it then you'll just do it so you're in practice Monday to Thursday seeing patients you know being supervised doing your clinical assessments with your orthodontist then you have to do the studying in the evenings and assignments um Friday in the evenings after work and then Fridays for studying as well and then I worked on Saturday mornings just because um I wasn't receiving a salary for the 18 months. So, um, yeah, I needed to do a bit of work as a dental therapist to top give me some money. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you find that, like working that sort of the Saturday alongside such a full time course? Now I don't know how I did it because, um, you know, I, I work four days now and thought of working a Friday, even Saturday now. <laughs> It just seems bizarre to me, but I don't. I think you just go into kind of autopilot and get through it, don't you? I mean, I was. I really enjoyed it. I found it so interesting. So, you know, the days where I was, you know, in practice and learning, it just went by so quickly. And then my Saturday mornings, you know, again, it. I enjoyed it. I mean, I suppose you can moan about it being a bit full on, but I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it's good to be busy, as they say. <laughs> yeah, that's a positive. <laughs> it does sound like a big commitment, and especially the fact of going that year without a salary. Mm-hmm. And is that the same, you would say, for everybody that does the course? Or is like, can you get sponsored to do it through people? Yeah, so I think the majority of people are sponsored. Um, you know, if you're an orthodontic nurse that's been working in the practice, the practice sponsor you pay for the course and will give you your orthodontic nurse salary for the year. Um, obviously, I was a bit of an outsider coming in. So, um, yeah, I just said, look, I'm, it's fine. I'll not take a salary um, and I'll pay for the course myself if you'll 
you'll train, you know, you're happy to train me. And, you know, that was the agreement. So um, I think my situation was a little uh, different from the norm. But um, yeah, normally you are sponsored and you've got a bit of money coming in. So for me, it wasn't an issue, you know, just having to do a, the old Friday, the old Saturday morning. Um, just give me a bit of pocket money, really, for the 18 months. <laughs> So sort of just to follow on from like the training involved and the places that sort of offer this qualification as well, um, what do you enjoy most about the role of the autodontic therapist within the team that you work in? So I really enjoy how, you know, hands-on and involved in treatment we are. Um, it's a very rewarding career and I definitely recommend it to you know either dental therapists or orthodontic nurses you know looking for a, a different route into dentistry I find it really rewarding because you know you see a patient normally over a two-year or even longer period and I've, I've had patients you know who've been quite heavily bullied at school for the appearance of their teeth and you know by the end of treatment they're just very, really happy and I don't think you can get anything more rewarding than that in a career. It just really gives you a sense of achievement. I'm a bit of a soft touch as well. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just like giving that to people, being part of the team that give that to people. I suppose you can say that about any area in dentistry. Um I think I've seen it more with orthodontics compared to the previous work I was doing. So I really, I really enjoy it and, you know, re really glad I was given the opportunity to train and be able to do the role. So that's the main thing I enjoy. I also enjoy, you know, the, the teamwork as well. Um, it really is a team effort. It isn't just, you know, one person doing everything. And, you know, it really is heavily team involved. And if you've got that good relationship, um, as I've mentioned before, with, with your orthodontist or dentist your uh, dental nurse orthodontic nurse you know it just makes it such a positive experience you look forward to going into work it's really changed my um, perspective in terms of my career like but yeah I think the teamwork you know the team that you're in and how you all work together to really you are pretty much changing a person's confidence um, I found really rewarding and it's definitely something I can see myself doing, you know, long term. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've said this before, um, but you seem, well, you, yeah, you are so passionate about what you do and it's really sort of inspiring Yeah. Um, to us that are sort of starting out in our professional careers as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just to go on from the opposite side, is there anything that you find challenging? Um, initially, I did find it quite challenging in orthodontic practice. Um, the pace is very rapid and you are constantly, you know, your brain is constantly ticking and working. Uh, you know, one bracket placed wrong on a tooth can move the tooth in the wrong way. So, um, you know, you really are have to be switched on all the time and um you know as well as the age group you're working with you know it, communication with them is paramount and it can be difficult building a rapport with 12 to 13 14 year olds um 
So, you know, it is challenging. Um, it is quite can be quite stressful. You know, when you're starting out and you've not really found your rhythm yet, it can be stressful. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, I think once you're in your routine and I don't really not enjoy any of it now, if I'm being completely honest. Initially, I was I was stressed. And so you do, you do need to be aware it is going to be stressful. Um, you know, as when you start anything new, it will be stressful. But you've just got to be committed, to, you know, being confident in yourself for one, but learning, you know, the basics. Um, and then you can just keep building on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like you say, it's about getting into your stride, isn't it? When you first that's right, yeah. first qualifying, picking up the pace and getting that confidence there. Yeah, yeah. Just in terms of skills, then that would help you succeed. What skills do you think are most important to make a good orthodontic therapist? So definitely, as I've mentioned, communication skills, building a rapport with your patient, you know, it is it is a big commitment orthodontic treatment. And, you know, it, it can be a wee bit painful. It can be, you know, hard to maintain appliances and things like that. So, you know, building a rapport with your patient massively can change the outcome of the orthodontic result, you know, getting the best it outcome for the patient seen patients who had really bad oral hygiene and um, it can be disastrous in orthodontic treatment because you can actually do more harm than good you know damage in the enamel periodontal health so you know I think having that strong relationship with your patient them actually looking forward to coming in and seeing you getting a new color on the braces it, it makes the whole experience both um, you know, positive and well beneficial really for both of you for the outcome for you and for the patient. So communication skills definitely. Um, people are apprehensive about getting you know dental treatment anyway, and I think orthodontic treatment when they know they're, they're scared of orthodontic treatment because really you know you are moving teeth. <laughs> um, and of it, so yeah, having that trust there with your patient is really important. And what's I found that's really helped me when treating my patient over the last few years. Also, I think you know, being adaptable, you need to. I mean, if you work in an orthodontic practice, even in general practice, doing things like Invisalign, um, dentists have different way of doing things. Orthodontists have different ways of doing things. You know, one orthodontist treatment plan can be completely different to another. But, you know, as they all say, they all get the same outcome. It's just their preferred way of doing things. So you have to be adaptable to learning the different methods, the different ways they do things. Um, It makes you stand out if you're adaptable. And, you know, they refer patients to you and, you know, keeps them happy. It keeps you happy, you know, if you're continually learning different ways to do things. And then I think the final thing really that I think is essential is being able to cope with time pressure. Not as much with private practice. You've got a bit more time to do things. But, you know, if you're going into orthodontic NHS practice, which is where most people start, it is, it's heavy going. Um, you know, you've got to have your wits about you. Yeah? <laughs> But, you know, it's rewarding at the same time. So being able to work under time pressure and, you know, it's stressful as well. But, you know, being able to monitor that stress and managing that stress. 
so yeah working under time pressure I think um, you need to need to be able to I suppose that you know you have to be quite dexterous with your hands as well it's very fine and fiddly work so strengthening up those hand <laughs> muscles is important um, I know we were taught to squeeze a tennis ball you know to strengthen the muscles in our hands so um, yeah that Aside from everything else, that's probably one of the most important yeah. things, being able to have a steady hand. Um, but, yeah, I think they would be the main qualities. And there are sort of uh, skills and qualities that are sort of transferable throughout the whole dental team as well. Um, so important um, for patient care, I think. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned about being kind of dual qualified in that you you took the route of going through dental therapy and then into orthodontic therapy and how that's maybe not the kind of traditional route that most people take do you have any advice for therapists that are maybe thinking about doing orthodontic therapy i'd say dive in (laughs) honestly um it has been the best thing i've done um just having that extra skill set, it will really make you stand out. Um, not just standing out, but I think for you, um, is it, it'll make for more of a rewarding career as well. I know it can be a bit repetitive as a dental therapist and dental hygienist. So, you know, just to vary a week of it, it's definitely worth it in my opinion. Um, you do need to be committed for the 18 months of the course. It is a big commitment. I mean, it wasn't easy, no, um, but it's an enjoyable process. So you just need to enjoy it and just take take your time with it. Um, you know, be open and open to learning, and just know that it's going to be intense. But what's eighteen months out of you know your whole career if you did want to progress in any way? Um, I know we're quite limited as. Um, hygiene therapists and like different routes we can go down so it's definitely you know a a good way to have an extra skill that you can can offer absolutely and um you've sort of had experience in other aspects as well like including the facial aesthetic side of things yeah is this something that you feel does it cross over with your orthodontic therapy role at all um i think facial aesthetics you know, it crosses over with both dentistry and um, orthodontics because, I mean, I suppose there's different approaches to facial aesthetics. Um, I don't tend to go down, you know, the route of overdoing treatments. I tend to do, you know, minimal um, to enhance certain areas of the profile, which, you know, that ties in massively with orthodontics because you know with certain appliances you are, you can change the profile of someone's face and in terms of dentistry yeah patients who moan about gummy smiles and things like that you can inject botulinum toxin um, to relax the muscle so I do think dentistry and facial aesthetic should be linked together a lot more than it already is I think the best people to kind of do facial aesthetics would be people who've had extensive head and neck anatomy learning Mm -hmm. and obviously people like plastic surgeons etc so I think you know there's a big scope for dentists dental therapists to really utilize the skills they've already got to give something extra to patients who are wanting it yeah absolutely how did you get involved with facial aesthetics 
So um, while we were in fourth year of university um, for oral health sciences, we had an afternoon where a dental therapist came in and gave us a lecture who's quite heavily involved with facial aesthetics. And I'd been waiting for it for the, the duration of the course because it was always something I was interested in. Uh, I do love everything kind of the beauty aspect as well. And um, so I was really pleased, you know, when she discussed everything that we can do and go on to, you know, training. And so I graduated July 2015 and then I went and did the foundation courses in the October. After that, I started just, you know, practicing on friends, family, you know, because it is very nerve-wracking. Um, it's a whole new kettle of fish, really, aesthetics. Uh, you know, more risk, more responsibility. So, you know, that comes with the territory. But um, So once I'd done that, built a bit of confidence, I um, got a six-month shadowing slash treating patients in an aesthetics clinic, a very busy aesthetics clinic in Edinburgh. And the guy who owned the clinic, he was a dentist, um, but he just does facial aesthetics now. And, you know, I shadowed him and then, you know, I was treating patients, you know, again, at quite a rapid pace and it threw me in at the deep end again. Um, but, um, you know, I, I got a wealth of experience from that because it is quite difficult, the industry now. It's very competitive. There's a lot of people doing it. There's practices on every corner doing facial aesthetics. So to have that experience, you know, I feel very lucky. Um, and then I went on to do my orthodontic course so I kind of you know kept up to date with my CPD and stuff but after the orthodontic course finished I decided right I'm going to do a postgraduate course in aesthetics now hopefully that'll be my last course um, <laughs> um, so I've started that um, and I'm near the end of it now um, so it's a postgrad diploma in cosmetic ingestibles and aesthetic medicine and it's over a, a nine-month period, so it's quite intense. You do have to be very self-disciplined with it because it is all self-study. And then you have practical, a lot of practical days. Um, so that's with the Medical Aesthetics Training Academy. You can do it through university as well, but I prefer the hands-on practical aspect, which I think is really important, you know, when you're carrying out injectables. So it's it's the same type, it's the same qualification. It's just with an academy as opposed to university. Um, so once I've finished that, you know, I'll be able to do pretty much everything and go on to teaching in aesthetics if I wanted to. And you can also end up doing a master's to convert if you'd like. Um, that might be on the horizon, who knows. Um, but um, now I already work in a practice offering facial aesthetics from the training I've done before. But, you know, it's something I really want to expand on, um, which, you know, it, it has done its working well. And, um, yeah, we'll just see what happens yeah and i think that adds another kind of level of diversity in your role so that it does mix things up a little yeah if you're feeling a bit frustrated in your role at the present and there are other things out there that you can do and in terms of facial aesthetics as far as i can understand it is quite unregulated right now yeah do you think that's something that will change yeah, definitely. So I know as it stands, literally anyone can cha train in facial aesthetics, which to me is quite bizarre because, you know, there's complications that can arise like vascular occlusions, you know, all sorts of complications that can occur. And it is, you know, for me, it is <laughs> the most stressful part of my job, facial aesthetics. 
so it definitely does need to be regulated more you know who can do facial aesthetics for one but what sort of training have you had because at the minute you know a lot of people are doing one or two day courses for example beauty therapists who've not really done any head and neck anatomy can do a one or two day course and then start injecting people's faces and it's just it's it's quite scary I mean you hear hear all the stories about it but I know things are changing um that's the reason I'm doing a postgraduate course in it because you know in the years to come you will need to have a level seven postgraduate qualification to be able to do these treatments um dermal fillers is unregulated you know it's not a prescription in the medicine so anyone can get their hands on it pretty much um, and offer it to patients so yeah there needs to be a bit of change I think in that aspect of things but I know they are starting to really clamp down on it yeah I think it is something that probably should get looked at a lot more and from a patient kind of aspect you know, we we need to have indemnity and things like that. Exactly, yeah. Does the same level apply to people that are going on these one, two-day courses? Will they be covered by insurance and things like that? So, you know, I mean, I have to get separate cosmetic insurance um, for doing, you know, cosmetic work. And it's not cheap either, by the way. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I just, and the ones I looked at, they don't insure... Um, anyone who's not got like a medical background so uh, nurses doctors dentists therapists pharmacists etc so I just don't know whether they're truly insured Um, I mean the majority of them say they are but to what you know extent it would cover them is a bit dubious Um, and also you know it's a massive risk to patients because you know if I mean if I'm working and touch what it's never happened um complication arise you're in a clinical setting you've got a medical emergencies kit you've got the right drugs to counteract there's a prescriber present and um, so you, you can basically stop anything serious from happening like uh, tissue necrosis which can occur you know with injecting causing a vascular occlusion basically so you know <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit of a grey area. Um, I think for patients, they need to, you know, be realistic as getting a treatment cheaper, always better. Um, I think that's what needs, it needs addressing by, you know, the, the government and things like that. But I think, you know, how they are clamping down on tooth whitening and dentistry, I think it's going in the same route with aesthetics as well. So you mentioned about teaching. Is that something that you're interested in sort of going into in your career at all? Yeah, I think I would. I think for now I would, uh, I just want to focus on, you know, getting my course finished and then, you know, having a few years, you know, studying or, you know, just focusing on my clinical skills and, yeah, just learning as much as I can really over the next few years. I do, you know, I think teaching would be a really rewarding um, aspect of our job, which, you know, it's a good route for hygiene therapists, you know, even orthodontic therapists, you can become a tutor for that as well. Um, I do think it would be really rewarding, you know, helping other people with everything that you've learned. Um, So I'd never say never. I think now with the tutoring side of things, you do have to have a teaching qualification, 
Um, so that would mean another course. So at the moment, no, but in the future, yeah, potentially. Do you have any kind of general advice for people thinking of entering the dental profession? It is a very, you know, a rewarding profession. You're going to have a secure career um, in the mouth and you're continually learning. So, you know, it's not something that I feel that you could get bored of, if I'm being honest. Um, if you like patient interaction, you know, and interacting with people all day as opposed to, you know, being office based, it's a great, great choice for you as well. The only thing I would say is it is a commitment. It, it can be stressful. It can um, play on your mind sometimes. But what I've learned most is having a work-life balance. Before, I used to work five and a half days a week and so obsessed with what I was going to be doing next, where I was going instead of just enjoying you know, where I was now and taking every day as it comes. Also not having enough outside of my where dentistry can be very consuming, you know, if, if if you let it take over your life, I do think that's all you do, think, breathe and talk dentistry. So while, you know, that's not always a bad thing, um, I do think you should have a good work-life balance as well because I think you'll stay happy in your career a lot longer and hopefully it'll be the only career you have, you know, if you have time for yourself as well as, you know, being the best clinician you can be. Yeah, I think that's some great advice. It's all about the work-life balance. Yeah, definitely. You definitely learn that as you go as well. Yeah. You know, I've had to tail back massively, you know. I think you get driven when you see um, the money coming in your bank that you want to do, like, more hours and things like that. But, um, you know, I think mental health is massive at the minute, Um any job, you know, you can push yourself too much. Dentistry, you know, it can, it can be physically demanding, you know, on the neck and back, and which I've struggled with. Um, but since cutting back, I've been a lot more happy in myself and also physically as well. Um, you know, I've found a career that I really enjoy and see myself doing long term now. So that's probably my main advice definitely just making sure you've got a balance and don't stress too much (laughs) no I think that's great advice um especially for those that are sort of considering you know um, their application to sort of dental school right now um that maybe don't really or haven't really considered the demands that the profession can have sometimes well you've taught myself and Ryan quite a lot today um really enjoyed recording this episode and learning a lot about the orthodontic therapist and their role within the team you have an instagram page as well if people that are listening would like to go and follow that yeah it's antonio louise aesthetics it mainly is my aesthetic work and i do share a lot about dermatology because we do an advanced skin science part of that my current diploma so yeah, it's a good way for me to teach others to learn it myself. So I do share a lot about that. Occasionally, um, I share some of the Invisalign treatment we do. But yeah, um, if anyone's got any questions about what I do, then feel free to message me. Thank you, Antonia, for joining us. No, thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. Yes, thank you. Um, it's been really informative for us. And I hope that those that are listening think that as well. 
We are really enjoying making these episodes and we hope you have found them interesting and learned a little more about dentistry. And you can follow us on Instagram at dental underscore appointment to keep up to date with us. Until our next episode. Bye. Bye.